You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, a 34-year police veteran, the author of A Cop's Life, and the founder of The Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. This is going to be a special broadcast of Blue Lives Radio. This is going to be devoted to the current situation in the United States with unrest tearing across our country uh, related to the in-custody death of George Floyd. Let's go back to the beginning, shall we? Back to the beginning of where this debacle began. I got to tell you, um, I was, like I'm sure all of you, uh, shocked, uh, horrified by the video that I saw uh, that emanated from the arrest of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Let's go back to what we know um, from, the, from the original police contact. A store owner had contacted the police, said that there was a man acting very bizarrely, that he had tried to pay for an item, um, some cigarettes, I believe, with a forged uh, $20 bill, and that he appeared to be acting irrationally. Uh, that's what the that's when the police responded. Initially, they found Mr. Floyd in a vehicle. He appeared to be under the influence of a uh, of a controlled substance. This was later found to be, um, in, uh, in fact, when uh, when they did the autopsy later on, uh, he had fentanyl and methamphetamine in his system. He was acting bizarrely. Uh, the uh, officers went to handcuff him. He resisted at first, then he complied. And uh, when he complied, they just sat him down. And there, there's little snippets of videotape that, that have been released. Uh, none, of the, none of the body-worn camera has, uh, tape has been released to the public. Um, you see in, in uh, some of the video that he is compliant. And then at some point, when they went to go put him in the car, he became non-compliant. Uh, there is some uh, video of, of a struggle taking place inside the backseat of the police car. He was then removed, and, and uh, during a struggle, he was placed on his stomach with his hands cuffed behind his back. At about this point is where we see um, there were a total of four officers involved in this. The one officer who was uh, subsequently charged with uh, third-degree murder is seen kneeling on the back of the neck of uh, Mr. Floyd for approximately eight minutes. Uh, two or three other officers at various points were um, basically pressing down on Mr. Floyd, kneeling on uh, basically his entire body. The 
video from one angle shows that uh, Mr. Floyd was quite literally begging for his life, saying he couldn't breathe. Um, and the officers um, basically did nothing. They, did, they, they didn't get off him, although you could hear there was some discussion amongst them, hey, maybe we need to get off this guy. Well, they didn't. And, and in, the most horrifying, in the most horrifying part of this video, you actually you see him die. I can't tell you how disturbing it was to me. Um, I, in my 34 years as a cop, there have been times when I was in serious struggles with people, and there were times when I put a guy down on the on the on the ground, handcuffed, and 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 he was still combative, and I uh, and I had to put my weight on his uh, on his, the back of his neck or 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 shoulder blades in order to pin him down till other officers could get there but there simply is no excuse really for the time period that these officers compressed him into the pavement and um, while I was watching this I was just I, I was I was shocked at um, experienced officers who should know better um, you know positional asphyxia is very very real and um, when I when I heard that the original the original uh, autopsy did not show strangulation or asphyxia due to um, due to the one officer's uh, kneeing on the neck I uh, I came to believe that perhaps the cause of death was either a positional asphyxia, or um, uh, a uh, a uh, phenomenon that happens sometimes uh, when when uh, a combative subject is, um, is is so overheated and so under the influence of controlled substance that basically their organs uh, begin failing. And, um, and I thought that this might be the case as well. Now, fast forward. This video gets, you know, goes viral within, you know, seconds. And the, 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 the public is outraged. And, and quite honestly, I understand the public being outraged. I was outraged. Uh, of course, there was a, it was a white police officer that had his knee on, on Mr. Floyd's neck. Mr. Floyd was black. And the optics of this couldn't have been any worse. And then the, the outcome of it couldn't have been any worse either, leading to the death of this man. Senseless death. The unrest began immediately. The, um, the media did what the media does. They picked up on the story and they um, uh, immediately began blaming this on racism. Now, I don't know where racism ever entered the equation here, but because that is the, the uh, uh, narrative du jour when it comes down to any time someone dies in police custody, um, this became a huge, 
huge uh, hotbed of anger and hostility, and the and the the protests began almost immediately. Now, at this point, the political um, environment in Minneapolis with the mayor, a guy named Jacob Fry, or Frey, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it, uh, has been completely anti-law enforcement. Uh, the mayor has, since he was elected, taken an anti-law enforcement stance. He's failed to adequately fund the department. He has not um, replaced officers who, uh, who have retired or left. And so the department is understaffed and not getting the proper uh, funding or equipment. His, uh, that is the mayor's response to this, was to basically completely throw the Minneapolis cops under the bus when it comes down to um, uh, making statements that were, um, you know, once again, anti-law enforcement. Now, of course, you know, you can't, you can't come out and 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 uh, look at this situation and 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 paint it with a favorable light because there just isn't anything favorable about it. But you don't call for the prosecution for murder and the instant termination of police officers before there is an investigation, and that's exactly what happened. There wasn't even a cause of death when the officer was initially arrested and all the officers terminated, there was no investigation that was completed. Now, I understand the, the politics of this. I understand the, the, the uh, optics of this. But here's the reality. Everybody has rights, including the cops. They have, a, they have the same rights as every other citizen. And to immediately... Um, without a proper investigation or even knowing the cause of death to to make uh, this um, this situation even worse by um, by making a prosecution for murder and and terminating everybody um, that was that was the demands of the of the mayor and that's what they did the uh, uh, Hennepin County District Attorney uh, charged the officer with third-degree murder and manslaughter and I think a bunch of other charges. Um, he was taken into custody where he remains. The, um, the sad reality is that once the violence began, because protests began immediately, but these protests, the, the, the mayor and the, and the community leaders did nothing to try and tamp down the, fa the the flames of of rhetoric that were taking place, which were, you know, this was a racist killing by murdering police, and the the you you could see what was going to happen. The um, uh, the protests started, and of course, I like every other um, American has a right to protest. That's 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 in our DNA. That's that's held uh, by the Constitution to be one of our inalienable rights. I support that, and to protest and to 
to you know uh, vent frustration uh, I get it I understand it there's nothing wrong with that but it it didn't turn out to be a, a, a peaceful protest um, once again as we have seen in the past in Minneapolis uh, with with previous incidents um, there was violence and 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 it began in earnest um, what did the mayor do the mayor basically um, and and with the complicity of the police chief there because the chief is the one that actually calls the shots not the mayor but apparently uh, the uh, police chief has become a uh, uh, you know a, a, a someone who allows the mayor to control his leadership decisions and that's that's a that's a bad thing in law enforcement because in essence they just they just allowed the violent protesters the violence to mushroom to the point where um and all and telling their cops to stand down well at, at uh, on Wednesday, I think I think this began on on Monday. On Wednesday, um, it had gotten so bad that the National Guard had been had been uh, called up. Now here's where it gets a little interesting. Wednesday night was when Precinct Three was overrun by violent. Um, um, looters and arsonists and vandals. It, it was it was basically completely besieged and attacked. And during the evening, the mayor ordered the police department to surrender the building and flee. Where. At which point they they got into the building and they destroyed it. They burned it. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. Now what I come to find out, because I have um, sources within that agency, this is shocking. This is shocking. The police officers, un, for, for one, I mean, they didn't understand why, but during about noon on Wednesday, cops were told to empty their lockers and take their stuff out. Now, this is even before the rioting um, had gotten out of hand. So someone in the police command told the cops to get their stuff out of the locker, out of their lockers. And then, hmm, just somehow... It must have been quite a coincidence. They're ordered to surrender the station late that night. Well, guess what? Not everybody got the word, and seven cops had to run for their lives because of the cowards running Minneapolis. And I got to tell you, the, the chief, who I've always had a certain amount of respect for, as far as I'm concerned, he let everybody down. He let the cops down. He let the people down. Because remember, all the rioting and looting and burning isn't just taking place at the police station. It's taking place throughout the community. And the cops were told to stand down. Can you imagine, can you imagine the, the 
empowerment given to these these violent criminals when they are when they're given the police station to burn and loot and 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 destroy and ruin it's it's absolutely it's absolutely shocking and that's what happened now this basically became the game plan for the entire um, the entire next few days when the mayor uh, basically refused to um, deploy the National Guard. Well, he wound up having to deploy the National Guard after the burning and looting, but he, he could have prevented it because the National Guard was on standby. But they weren't allowed to deploy even while the place was burning, the precinct, because they were held back. Now, you can't tell me that that wasn't done intentionally. There is no doubt in my mind that the mayor was complicit. And actually, I fully believe that this was a plan that the mayor worked out with, uh, with some of the criminal element. Because I don't believe in, uh, in a um, situation where uh, this is a coincidence. It doesn't make any sense. So I, I wish that there would be an investigation into the mayor's conduct, but knowing the way, I mean, the, the, the governor is just as goofy as the mayor out there. And the, and the, and the attorney general is, is the most anti-law enforcement attorney general, I think, in the United States. For God's sake, he was seen supporting Antifa, who, of course, is, is deeply involved in the criminal activities at these protests. And uh, um, he loves to prosecute cops. Well, guess what? The fox is in the hen house now because the governor, <laughs> the governor did an executive order um, giving, giving this, this uh, agenda-driven politician, attorney general, full powers to prosecute police and including the officers who were involved in this incident. Now, that's highly unusual. It's usually the county prosecutor that does that. Um, so now uh, they, they want to they make sure that they get their pound of flesh. So they assign, you know, in, by executive order, um, this anti-law enforcement activist, cop-hating attorney general. Um, it, it's, 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 um, it's, it's, uh, I'm speechless about what's on, what I'm seeing. So that, that began all the protests and all the violence began right there in Minneapolis, but it, it, it began spreading when I say, I mean, I, uh, tongue in cheek, it, it caught on like wildfire and that's exactly what happened. Um, hundreds of cities across the United States began seeing protests. These protests did not stay peaceful long. Um, looting, burning, shooting, stabbing, attacks on law enforcement, attacks on citizens, attacks on storefronts, uh, destruction like I, I don't think I've ever seen in this country is taking place right now across America. And law enforcement is being vilified, vilified 
by everyone. The politicians are just screaming racism, uh, brutality. It, it's just, it, I mean, I was, I was uh, giving an interview on an international radio um, uh, station. And the interviewer said to me, isn't this very similar to the murder of Michael Brown in Ferguson? And I, I got to tell you, I, I said, well, we're stopping the interview right now until I explain to you that Michael Brown was ruled a justifiable shooting by every single entity. And Michael Brown uh, uh, was... was uh, um, absolutely guilty of trying to kill a police officer when he tried to take the officer's gun and take it away from him. Uh, and and the, the, the reporter from this um, very well-known and respected network um, acted like he didn't even know. Well, that the, this is the same thing. I You're, you're seeing hands up, don't shoot being... Um, being chanted across the country even now, even though it never happened. It never took place. But this is part of the narrative that uh, that politicians are are all over. I mean, Joe Biden, good God almighty, that senile, weird quack is out there parading around, like sounding like a complete moron, uh, trying to get political points off of this. It's sickening to see. It's sickening to see the politicians jumping on this. In fact, the uh, the governor, uh, the governor of, of California, of course, Gavin Newsom, who is, who is some just, uh, I, I haven't even figured out a word to describe him. Uh, I don't know what this, what, I don't even know how to describe him. But he immediately accused a, um, a sheriff of, uh, of racism based on some nonsensical uh, anecdotal information he got. And then, well, it turns out that mm, he was wrong. And then the California sheriff in Marin County had to, uh, forced him to give him an apology because he, he basically... <laughs> came out and, and, and accused the Marin County Sheriff's Department of racism based on the report of something that never occurred. Um, that's the kind of, of politician that we have now that, that then fans the flames of hatred and, and, and incites more violence. And that's, that seems to be the game plan of many of these uh, agenda-driven politicians. And, uh, and, and the media. I mean, the media won't even call a rioter a rioter. People are throwing Molotov cocktails, burning places down. But mm, they're, they're, I, heard one, I heard one journalist call them passionate protesters. Good God almighty. What planet are these morons from? They're criminals. Listen, I, I, I told you before, I support the right to protest. When you pick up that first rock, when you throw that first brick, when you light that first Molotov cocktail, when you smash out that first window, you cease to be a protester. You are now a rioter. 
you are now a criminal. And what we have seen is a lackluster, um, incoherent law enforcement response all over this country. I now I don't want to offend anyone with this comment, but what we are seeing is the pussification of the police. And we're, we've never seen it on a scale like this, where police agencies are scared to death to take proper action. Now, I, all, if you have listened to this broadcast before, you know that I, besides being a former cop, a retired cop, um, have an organization called the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers. And we, we do everything we can to improve the lives of men and women of this profession who have, uh, who have been seriously injured or disabled. Well, I am hearing from cops all over the country that, first of all, they're being shot at literally every single day. They're being run over. They're being stabbed. They're being slashed. Bricks, bottles, Molotov cocktails are being hurled at them. Um, their police cars are being vandalized. Um, in many cases, they're being shot at, and they are not responding with the proper force. If somebody shoots at you, and you have a target, you shoot back. But that's not what's happening. Cops are scared to death to take action that might even save their own lives. Why? Because when they do, their own agencies turn on them. Their own political leaders turn on them. We've seen it in de Blasio, who is the, another one of the biggest goofballs in politics. Um, his, I, there's been, you know, New York City PD has been taking uh, a huge amount of the brunt of these riots. Uh, downtown Manhattan has been in, in many cases, just just um, um, attacked. Some of the most iconic stores have been looted. The police response has been anemic. Uh, why? Because they're they're being told to uh, take a soft approach. Well, the time for soft approach is way over. Um, and when they do decide to commit and do take the proper um, initiatives and make arrests and, and, and utilize munitions that are that are low lethal like gas and projectiles and things like that they they can very easily take the streets back and when they commit themselves they do just like in many other parts of the country but what is happening is the the rioters are basically running the uh, the protests, you know, they're running the, the deal, and and the cops are are slow to respond or um, responding with minimal amount of force. Well, you know, there's times to be a guardian. I know that that is that is the more politically correct label for law enforcement today. Well, there's times to be a guardian, but there's times to be a warrior. And when when you're being attacked physically. Either, either by by fist or by hand or by by feet or by biting 
or or uh, having weapons used against you like rocks and bricks and 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 other projectiles well, guess what the time for being a guardian is freaking over it's time to man up and buckle up and put on your warrior face because if you don't you're gonna die or you're gonna get seriously hurt you know one of the the major reasons that this has been um, so devastating to cities across the country is because there has been a lack of coherent law enforcement response I blame this on law enforcement leadership who doesn't have the guts to stand up and do the right thing and political leadership which is in uh, in in many many cases um, quite literally fanning the flames of this and then empowering the the criminal element it is um, it's exceedingly dangerous uh, because if there are no consequences to your actions which there have been none or little all that does is give carte blanche to these animals that are that are committing these horrific um, amounts of violence some of the the horrible video that is that has emanated from this debacle of people trying to protect their stores and then being beaten viciously and um, with, with it's just it's it's like we're living in a third world country and it's lawless and you know what it, the the vast majority of Americans are hunkered down saying what the hell is going on here no one can condone what took place on that street with the with the death of George Floyd but what is this response about um it it, it it's irrational it it is um I can't help but think that there is a lot more going on when it comes down to the decision making to allow this violence. And I, I hate to even think this, but I can't help it. I think that there are people in power who are using this as a political tool, an anti-Trump political tool. Um, First, we have this in, insane COVID response with with many of these heavy-handed, um, unconstitutional orders, and, uh, and and using the police as their as their um, tools to enforce what is essentially, in many cases, unlawful orders, and then when the cops are doing so and somebody resists them then the same politicians that order them to do this nonsense then flail around and scream oh my god look what those nasty police did just for trying to enforce social distancing well cops don't want to enforce social freaking distancing they're being told to by their their idiot bosses 
those those morons that are running these some of these these states who are drunk with power destroying the very economy now these poor now how about all these poor business owners many of course will never recover from the the the, the economic collapse that took place as a result of decision making by uh, by some of these governmental leaders then then just as things are starting to return to some sense of normalcy now we have this and they are being their 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 life's dreams i'm watching i'm watching this around the country it's so heartbreaking to see these men and women who have worked so hard to build something and only watch it be destroyed with no consequences see the looters just carte blanche carrying stuff out and nobody is doing anything i mean i've been looking monitoring the number of arrests it's it's pitiful it's pitiful the the crimes that are taking place and the violence that's taking place should be a call to order and and the president has done that President Trump has done that. He's called out some of these these liberal governors, and they accuse him of being a racist. It's just it is it is maddening, maddening to see. And there are people that, you know, I'm on social media quite a bit. My Facebook page is the Voice of American Law Enforcement, and and the the same views that I'm giving you, I give on my Facebook page, and. I've been shocked at some of the responses I've been seeing from people that I thought were reasonable people accusing me of being a racist because I'm calling I'm calling things out the way they are. I it's it's like it's nonsensical. Well, until law enforcement leadership grows a set and gets the approval of those 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 morons up in the their ivory towers who are um, calling the shots and pulling the strings of the marionettes um, we're just going to see more and more death and destruction I mean we're seeing cops shot at every single day um, we're I mean just this week four cops in one incident shot in in uh, Missouri um, a police officer uh, fighting with a suspect protester suspect um, on the Las Vegas Strip and and a, and this this piece of garbage comes up behind him and shoots him in the back of the head uh, it, it is it is incredible um, uh, federal protective officers guarding a courthouse in Oakland, assassinated by a drive-by shooter, cops being stabbed, run down by cars, and you don't hear anything about it in the mainstream media. These men and women who are giving their lives—they nobody nobody knows their name. Everybody knows George Floyd, but nobody knows the names of these officers who actually lost their lives trying to protect the people. Well, let's get back to George Floyd for a minute. 
does does he bear any responsibility for for what took place? I mean, well, let me ask you this: Are the decisions that that George Floyd made that led to this fatal encounter, this this tragedy, this horror, does he have any responsibility for this? Let me let me pose that as a question. You know, first of all, uh, it sounds so he had moved to Minneapolis from Texas. Uh, he had he had had a, he had a violent past in Texas. Um, he served prison time for armed robbery, and then he came out to Minneapolis to start his life over again. And by all accounts, he had no arrest record in Minneapolis. He lived there for a couple of years. He was working several jobs. In fact, one of the jobs that he was working was as a security guard at a nightclub. And it's been reported that the officer that was kneeling on his neck also worked at that nightclub off-duty as, as security. So, I mean, the question, of course, did, did they know each other? And did that, did that, could that have possibly played a role? That's something that, you know, when I talk about waiting for an investigation, that's the kind of thing that you need to investigate. So, um, but by all accounts, he seemed to have, have been working, he, had, he was working three jobs. So, I mean, you got to give the, the guy credit. He's working his butt off. Well, then COVID hits. And the um, Michigan, I'm sorry, the Minnesota governor up there, much like many of the others, um, basically shut down the entire economy. Did losing his jobs, did this play any role in what took place? I'm, I'm just put, putting that out there. I don't, I honestly don't know. But it, here's a guy that was, that was, pretty much on purpose, not getting in any trouble. And then COVID hits and he loses his income. Did that play a role? I mean, I think that's that's a question worth asking. In any event, George Floyd made some terrible decisions that day. First of all, he made decisions um, to put methamphetamine and fentanyl to take that lethal combination of drugs um, and then go out and try and pass a counterfeit bill. And, of course, those decisions that he made led to the initial response of the police. And then he made a decision not to comply and to resist. And the deadly consequences of that decision will have changed American law enforcement forever by the time this is all done. Does he bear any responsibility? Or is it, I mean, or is this all the cops? It's all those racist cops. It's all on them. I ask you that question because we have seen historically that in many of these quote controversial unquote Law enforcement deaths, deaths by hands of law enforcement, that there's been a common denominator, and that is non-compliance. Don't people who make decisions that lead them into um, this position, 
do they bear any responsibility? That's the question that I'm going to leave you with today. I hope and I pray that law enforcement officers continue to fight and do the right thing, even under the terrible leadership and circumstances that they're facing. I know that their heart is heavy with what took place to get in this position. There are no officers that I've talked to that that supported um, what took place and the use of force that, that took place here. But these men and women who are on the front line uh, are working day in and day out, having thousands and thousands of interactions with people from all communities, 24 hours a day, doing so honorably, doing so compassionately with empathy. Why is all that forgotten? Why is all that ignored when a a tragic incident like this takes place? That's the question I'm going to leave you, but I'm I'm going to say this. To the men and women out there who are serving, the vast majority of Americans support you. The vast majority of Americans believe in you. And blue lives really do matter. So let me ask you a question. What do you know about CBD? Now, if you're like me, I didn't know anything about CBD other than people telling me that it works and that there is some really good advantages to it. So when a retired police officer came to me and said, I'm in the CBD business and I know a lot about it, here's some products I want you to try. And I did. And I got to tell you, I'm amazed. Um, I can't, I can't talk about the, uh, the medical aspects of it, but I can tell you that I was shocked. And the fact I had a lot of, um, um, if you, if you want to say issues with it, because as a, as a police officer, I thought that there might be some THC content and there might be a problem down the road later on. But this, this CBD contains no THC and it's amazing stuff. It's called Luxvite. Luxvitecbd.com is the website. And um, if you uh, let them know that you heard this commercial on the Wounded Blue, uh, you'll get a discount as well. So check it out. Luxvitecbd.com. I'm kind of liking it. I'm going to tell you about an amazing event and I'm inviting you to it. That's right. I'm inviting you to the Brothers in Blue Bash in Las Vegas on October 17th. The Brothers in Blue Bash is a benefit for the Wounded Blue, but this is going to be an absolutely amazing event with food and music and cocktails and entertainment, and it's in Vegas, and it's in October, and it supports the Wounded Blue, and it's going to be a hell of a party. You want to come to this. It's it's unbelievably inexpensive. It's $95 a ticket, and that includes all of that. Uh, there is also a hotel that we are involved with. It is the Orleans Hotel. They're giving room rates for our guests at less than $100 a night. Come for the weekend. It's going to be a hell of a party. Go to our Facebook page, Brothers in Blue 
Bash Las Vegas. Get tickets there on Eventbrite. And uh, if you have any questions, hit us up over there at uh, Facebook, and we'll talk to you soon. See you in October at the Brothers in Blue Bash. If you like your coffee, like I like my coffee, you are going to love Law Dog Coffee. LawDogCoffee.com. You can subscribe to it, get it delivered directly to your house. It is law enforcement friendly. In fact, they help support the Wounded Blue. And the coffee is phenomenal. They also got some really cool products, uh, some mugs and t-shirts and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, LawDogCoffee.com. You want to go there? You want to have this coffee? It is delicious. And uh, I should know because I drink it every single day. LawDogCoffee.com. Check it out. I want to tell you about an organization, an organization that is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. Uh, this organization is a 501c3 charity. I am the founder of it, and we have an amazing peer team made up of police officers who have all been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up, and screwed over. We provide peer support for injured and disabled law enforcement officers. We help get them into treatment, whether that, whether that injury is physical or emotional. Um, if you're a law enforcement officer and you've been struggling with post-traumatic stress issues, if you've been screwed over by the system and feel like you're abandoned and alone, I can tell you this right now, you're not. We are there for you. Go to our website. It is www.thewoundedblue.org. Contact us there. You can see the amazing programs that we have. And uh, remember, um, we are believer in what our motto is, and that is never forgotten, never alone. The Wounded Blue, thewoundedblue.org. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health. Sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, as we celebrate our four-year anniversary, thank you for making it all possible. We are a grassroots movement of patriots, blogs, podcast, video, and 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We are the vision of the voices America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
What if a new treatment backed by 17,000 scientific articles was proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance? What would you pay for even the smallest dose of this treatment? Well, the good news is you don't have to pay anything because these are just some of the benefits of a full night of quality sleep. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Until now, most sleep aids haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM Sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's Healthy, C-E-L-L, dot com slash sleep. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week, we here at Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. This week, I have several names to read. The first, police officer Nate Lyday of the Ogden Police Department in Utah. Police officer Nate Lyday was shot and killed while responding to a domestic disturbance call at a home in the 300 block of Jackson Avenue. A woman had called 911 and reported that a male subject was threatening to kill her. When Officer Lyday and other officers arrived at the home, which was located on the front porch, he was uncooperative with the, su- with the officers before running inside the home. As officers approached the front door, he opened fire, shooting through the door and fatally wounding Officer Lyday. A Utah adult probation and patrol agent was also struck and suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Members of the Ogden Metro SWAT team located the subject deceased inside the home a short time later. Officer Lyday had served with the Ogden police for only 15 months. He is survived by his wife. Police Officer Nate Lyday, Ogden Police Department, Utah. End of Watch Thursday, May 28, 2020. The second is Trooper First Class Eugene Kenneth Barron, Jr. of the Connecticut State Police. Trooper First Class Eugene Barron died as a result of cancer contracted while assisting with rescue and recovery efforts at the World Trade Center following the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. The second is Trooper First Class Eugene Kenneth Barron, Jr of the Connecticut State Police in Connecticut. Trooper First Class Eugene Barron died as the result of cancer contracted while assisting with rescue and recovery efforts at the World Trade Center while uh, following the terrorist attacks on September 11th. Trooper Barron has served with the Connecticut State Police for 18 years prior to medically retiring. He is survived by his three children, parents, and two sisters. Trooper First Class Eugene Barron, Jr., Connecticut State Police, end of watch, Monday, May 25th, 2020. Deputy Constable Caleb Rule of the Fort Bend County Constable's Office, Precinct 4. Deputy Constable Caleb Rule was inadvertently shot and killed by a Fort Bend County Sheriff's Officer while responding to a suspicious person call in the 3900 block of Chestnut Bend in Siena Plantation at 1.40 a.m. 
A citizen reported seeing a man running from a home in the area. Deputy Constable Rule responded to the scene along with three sheriff's deputies and located a home with an open door. Deputy Constable Rule was clearing the house when the sheriff's deputies, uh, when he was mistaken for a suspect inside of the home. Deputy Constable Rule was struck in the chest in an area not protected by his vest. He was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. Deputy Constable Rule had served with the Fort Bend County Constable's Office, Precinct 4, for nine months, previously served with the Missouri City Police Department for 14 years. He is survived by his wife and five children. Deputy Constable Caleb Rule, Fort Bend County Constable's Office, Precinct 4, Texas. End of watch, Friday, May 29, 2020. The next is Police Officer Cody Holt of the Grand Forks Police Department in North Dakota. Police Officer Cody Holt was shot and killed after responding to assist deputies from the Grand Forks County Sheriff's Office who were fired upon as they served an eviction notice at a department on 17th Street. When deputies made contact with the subject, he fled into a bedroom and began firing at them with a semi-automatic rifle. Officer Holty and another officer from the Grand Forks Police Department responded to the deputy's call for assistance. When they arrived, the suspect again opened fire, killing Officer Holty and wounding one of the deputies. Officers returned fire and wounded the subject. A woman inside of the apartment was found deceased from a gunshot wound. The subject was arrested at the scene and subsequently charged with two counts of murder. Officer Holty was a member of the North Dakota National Guard, has served with the Grand Forks Police Department for three years, signed to the Uniform Patrol Bureau. He was also a member of the Grand Forks Police Department's Honor Guard and a member of the Northeast Regional Water Rescue Team. He is survived by his wife, 10-months-old son, and twin brother. He also, his brother also serves as a police officer in North Dakota. Police Officer Cody Holt. Grand Forks Police Department, North Carolina, end of watch, Wednesday, May 26, 2020. Senior Detention Officer Alexander Petaway of the Durham County Sheriff's Office in North Carolina. Senior Detention Officer Alexander Petaway died after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak at the Durham County Detention Center. He had served with the Durham County Sheriff's Office for 23 years. He is survived by his brother and sister. Senior Detention Officer Alexander Petaway, Durham County Sheriff's Office, North Carolina. End of watch, Saturday, April 25th, 2020. May all of these officers who died in the line of duty protecting the people of their communities rest in peace. Hey, thanks so much for joining me this week on this episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on America Out Loud. Listen, follow me on Facebook. It is the voice of American law enforcement. Uh, also, Twitter, at LT Randy Sutton. Uh, I think I have some other social media accounts, but I don't use them that much. So, Facebook, if you've got some story ideas or some feedback, hit me up over there, right here on America Out Loud.